at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, February 2nd, 2023 edition. And February has started off on an interesting note, a very bullish note as a follow through to the first month of the year. And you're getting a bit of a shift back in market dynamics. So we know likely long term market dynamics are going to be different this decade than the previous decade. But there's always going to be counter trend rallies, especially when investors get offside, they get positioned in uh, in a way that is to consensus and you have catalysts like the fed being dovish you have the treasury general account being ran down which brings liquidity into the markets and you get short covering rallies and that's what we're in right now and so you shouldn't be surprised by this we actually talked about this a few weeks ago these were kind of signs underneath the surface now do we think Meta was going to rally 20% on its earnings? Eh, probably not. But these are things you have to be prepared for. Now, our job here each and every weekday is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And that's going to take some perspective, some data, and some discipline. And so as the market shifts, most importantly, you need to develop strategies and execute on them consistently that are in line with your own risk tolerance levels and the market dynamics that are in front of you, not the way you hope the market to be, but how the market is. So if you want to get your portfolio properly balanced, you've come to the right place. I'm Justin Klein. And I'm here on today's radio show and podcast to help you make the most of your capital, make good, consistent decisions based on the facts on the ground. And so I look forward to this episode, answering your finance and investment questions. And you can reach out right now on our 24-hour listener line at 888 chart Leave a message. We'll answer it on a future show. Or if you're listening live during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time, you can call that same number and talk to me directly. So we've got a lot of material for us to discuss today. One is our main focus point, which is in regards to how long will it take the market to recover and more specifically different asset classes and slices of the market. So we're gonna look at data through January 26th of this year. And what is the worst case scenario in different asset classes? So you know whether the assets that you're holding fit your time horizon. We're gonna dig into that. Also, the market has rallied and the market is pricing in a bit different of a scenario then the Fed is communicating. And the question is, who's right? 
And if the other side's right, what does that mean for markets? Okay. We're also going to look at the global economy and what kind of trends have emerged recently. Remember, it's not just about the U.S. We have a global market. Even though we're deglobalizing in many ways, we still have a global economy that's interconnected. And what happens in China and Europe and uh, on other continents has an impact here at home and in markets. So we're going to look at that. And then lastly, if we have time, an overview of the SECURE Act 2.0. So those are the topics on the docket for me today, but ultimately it's about you. So we're going to be taking your voice bank question. One is on limit orders. Another is on United Rentals. Also have some iTunes review questions as well as one coming from our website. So we have many, many topics to discuss on today's show. So you can call live during our during this live stream program, 888-99-CHART. Now let's take a look at the market today. We had a very bullish day overall, definitely led by the growth side of the market. We had earnings from Meta. They were up big today. And in sympathy, the NASDAQ was up big as well. Large cap stocks about 1.55%. The large cap growth up 2.02%. Small cap growth up about 2.4%. Uh, so... Definitely leading the charge here in the beginning of the year is a snapback rally in the growthier names. And a lot of names that, you know, are, are, are pretty suspect. You know, your Carvanas of the world. I know, uh, I believe AMC's rallying. Bed Bath & Beyond, a company on the brink of bankruptcy. So you can kind of see, and I'll give you some stats later, about how many of the Underperforming stocks last year are getting a bit of a bounce this year. And let that be a lesson. A lot of people look at what happened last year and they say, oh, well, that's the best or the worst place to be based on short-term performance. And you should never use that as a guide uh, to what you should invest in longer term. So that was the market today. Uh, But we had earnings after hours, Apple, Amazon. I know those both disappointed. I know we had one other major one. I forget what Google. I think that also disappointed as well. So likely a pullback in the markets starting tomorrow, but we'll see how long it lasts. Now we're going to head to our first listener question right now. Hey, Stephen, Justin. This is Eric. I'm calling from Phoenix. I had a question about RSG, Republic Services. It seems to be in a kind of low spot for the year. I'm a dividend investor, and I like the consistent dividend growth that it's had. I think I saw like 19 years it's been growing its dividend just wanted to see what uh, you thought would be a fair price for this company, and, and uh, that's it. Thank you guys very much for the, for the show. Bye-bye. All right. This is Republic Services Group. They're the second largest integrated provider of waste services. And right behind waste management, large company. It is in a downtrend now, peaked in September. And while the market has rebound really since October, this has been really underperforming. Now, it sounds weird, but in a lot of ways, trash is cyclical. Right? The more economic activity there is, the more trash is created and thus collected and then charged on. Right. So in a lot of ways, it is cyclical. Now, this is a very, very good business. Right now, their turn equity is around 16%. Five-year average is right around 14 So might be over-earning a bit. Uh, and the market's starting to price in slower growth going forward. 
because it growth has been accelerating. Uh, late 2021, revenue growth was in the mid-teens. Same with earnings growth. Now, the last quarter has been 23% and 20% on earnings. So growth had been accelerating, but the market is starting to discount a slower environment. And actually, analysts for uh, uh, are, are starting to downgrade their projections as well. Decent amount of debt on their balance sheet, but it's a, it's a pretty steady business overall. They're not going to start losing money, so that's a good thing. Uh, let's see. Their dividend yield is about 1.5%, but their pay ratio is around 40%, so plenty of room to continue to increase that dividend, which, like you said, they do have a very good history of increasing it. So I like what you're looking at here as a company. The problem for me, really, is technicals and the slowing economy and the fact that you know, this good environment for them is starting to shift and it's trading at a relatively high multiple. Enterprise value to EBITDA right now is at about 15 times, which is a bit higher than historical average. So I think it needs a little more, let's say a little more uh, decline before I would get excited about it. Somewhere in the 110 level, right now it's at 122, would be a good entry point for RSG, but definitely keep that on your watch list. Now, Thursday's trading day is in the record books, and the market is constantly changing. Well, that's why you're here. You get perspective and data so you can make smart money decisions. So that means you must have questions, and I have answers for you. So give us a call now on Talk at 888-99-CHART. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know Building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy, discipline, and the right information. Justin Klein is ready to provide his unbiased answers. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. We're going to go up to Stockton, California and talk with Wesley. And we'll talk about asset allocation. My question is a two-parter. One is asset allocation and a 401k. Um, I know that we're bigger on small cap and maybe internationals. What do you think of a small cap international fund? And my other question is AMD. I own 100 shares, and uh, it finally popped up where it has above my cost basis. I think it's time to get out of it. Thank you. Well, asset allocation in your 401k, a lot of that depends on your age, your risk tolerance level, et cetera. Uh, small cap Small caps right now, generally, uh, across the world, have better value than the larger caps relatively. And foreign stocks also have uh, are cheaper in general. Now, part of that is because they should be cheaper because of geopolitical concerns here in the U.S. where 
fairly insulated, luckily. Uh, you know, we're we're oceans away from any major geopolitical rival, so that's a good thing. Uh, and we have fairly stable political environment, so we should be trading at a premium compared to the rest of the world. But you could argue the premium is too large, so I would say that's generally a good idea. However, a lot depends on what fund in your 401k that is, you know, could be a very bad fund within uh, that space. But as long as that that uh, fund ranks out fairly well, not a bad place to put some allocation of your 401k. Now on AMD, this did have a pop uh, on the back of really a rally across the the tech sector. Uh, But their business continues to slow. Last year, they made $3.50. This year, they're only supposed to make $3.17. And they're still trading at above average multiple Earnings last quarter down 25% year over year. So while this is getting a bounce, it would be a name that I'd probably be trying to edge out of uh, on this rally. So that's AMD. Now we're going to pivot over to our main focus point on the day, which is how long will it take the market to recover? Or more specifically, different asset classes. Now, so far this year, most asset classes are higher. But you go back a little over a year, most asset classes remain down. And there's no guarantee that this recent trend will reverse all of those losses in short order. There's a lot of things that can throw a wrench in the rally so far this year. Obviously, a deep economic recession, higher interest rates for longer that diverges from where the market is expecting, inflation staying stickier, than what the market is pricing in, which is a quick return to about 2%. And so investors have to have some perspective on what they hold and why they hold it. Now, most investors have multiple goals. It can be emergency fund. It could be buying a house, saving for kids' college. Maybe it's going on vacation or, most importantly, for most people, retirement. And each one of those goals has different time horizons and importance for each investor. So the real risk that they face is not having enough assets for those particular goals. And if you hold an asset class that doesn't recover in time, for when you need that money, you're going to liquidate assets in negative territory. And most people don't want to do that. And we all know that asset classes move in cycles. Sentiment goes from bullish to bearish, sometimes over short periods of time, sometimes over long periods of time. So Morningstar, this is a good article you can find over on investtalk.com. And it looks back many, many years. And it looks at various asset classes. And how long it takes for investors to get back to even. Now, first they looked at kind of recent indexes like the S&P. The S&P is pretty broadly diversified. It's a large cap blend fund, basically. And because it has value and growth stocks, ones that kind of uh, sit in the middle of that, it's pretty well diversified. And so, The longest period since 1990 from the peak to 
breaking even was six years. Whereas large cap growth, tech stocks, they peaked in 2000, March 2000. It took 13 years for them to get back to even. But then they looked at broader asset classes, going back all the way to 1926. And large cap stocks in general took from 1929 to 1944 to recover, so 26 years. Commodities have yet to recover since their high in 20, or sorry, 2008. Even though they had strong returns as of late. Now bonds, they're a bit different. They tend to not have large drawdowns and therefore they recover and bounce back pretty quick, which means intermediate term bonds, those are good for short to medium term time horizons. Now, they also looked at different rolling periods because, yes, the calendar starts in January and ends in December, but it's not like stocks peak always on January 1st or vice versa. They'll peak sometime in the middle of the year. And so they look at rolling periods. And in any one-year rolling period, it's about a 25% chance you'll be down on equities. But if you start expanding that out to two years, only 16% of the time, stocks are down over a two-year period. You expand that to six years, only 8.7% of the time, stocks are negative. So what this is basically saying is you need to have the appropriate assets for the appropriate time horizon that that bucket of money is invested for. That's why emergency funds should be invested in relatively safe assets. Assets that are intended for buying a house should be in safe, liquid, non-volatile securities. CDs, money market, etc. If you're going out long-term, you're for retirement, for example, 10 plus years, that's when you can be in equities. But as usual, get your position in the right parts of the market, and that often is more challenging. You're building your financial future, but you must have finance and investment questions. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to provide their unbiased answers. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99 Chart. 888-99 Chart 8899-4278. I have about uh, let's go grab a call from a listener in Michigan. Hi Justin and Steve, this is Amir calling from Michigan. Thank you so much for your great show. I have a question about United Rentals. Uh, you know, it, it grew rapidly during the past, I would say, three months. It has a quite good amount of earning. I just wanted to know your idea about this stock. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. This is United Rentals. They provide construction and industrial equipment rentals throughout about 1,345 locations here in the U.S., Canada, and in Europe. So this is a business that is very consistent. This is a very quality company. Return equity right now is about 33%, which is right around its long-term average. So uh, it's not really over-earning from that perspective. Its enterprise value to EBITDA right now is about 7.8. Now that is on the high side. Typically, 
it averages closer to six and typically bottoms out around around four or five. So I wouldn't say it's cheap and you wouldn't imagine it would be after its recent rally, right? It's gone from a low in October or sorry, the summer, excuse me, right around 243. Now we're at 456. And technically, it's definitely overbought. So I probably wouldn't be jumping in right here. I'd probably want to pull back uh, into the high 300s. That would be an area that would be of interest to me. Uh, but you're really your bet here is not a, a bad recession, right? A mild recession where there's still a lot of construction going on. They should do fairly well. Analysts continue to upgrade their earnings for this year and next year. I like that. But your biggest risk, once again, is what's the fallout in the construction market from home remodels because of higher interest rates and less cash out refinances, uh, less activity in the commercial real estate space, et cetera. Those are the things that could drag in, drag the earnings down. So you have to have a view that we're only going to have a mild recession or maybe not one at all. And if that's your view, I think a pullback, it would be a buy. But if you're wrong and you do have a deeper recession, this is definitely going to be one that's hurt because the activity uh, within the space is going to slow. So I definitely like this company, uh, but I probably wouldn't buy it right here, but definitely keep it on the watch list. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, I'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their question quickly. Dr. Haruz says, I know you guys say it's not time for growth stocks or ETFs. I currently hold IHI and it's 56% of my portfolio. Right now it's performing really bad. Do you think it's worth worth enough to hold until inflation comes down? I'm only 35 years old and I plan to stay invested for decades. Well, first off, never put 56% of your portfolio in one stock. Way too high. Way too high. That's your first problem here. And you said it's performing poorly. I mean, relatively. It's been bouncing back a bit. Now, luckily, this is it's not as bad as it sounds because IHI is an ETF. So it naturally is broadly diversified. But still, it's an ETF. It's a sector ETF. So it's in one subsector of the market, medical devices only. Now, generally, I like medical devices. I think there's going to be more political pressure on the drug companies over medical device companies. So I generally like the medical device part better. But, you know, there's a lot of pressure from uh, Congress on Medicare uh, Part B plans uh, and pushing on what they're paying for uh, for health insurance and, and health healthcare reimbursements there. So there could be some pressure there. So the first thing is, it's already bouncing back. You want to be using this opportunity to trim your position, probably down to, at max, 15% of your overall portfolio, maybe even less. Um, so fine to be buying and holding this longer term, but you want to use rallies like this to trim your position and diversify your portfolio. Now, on the next Invest Talk, the story behind this question, what can we learn from earnings reports so far? That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein, ready to take your questions live at 888 chart Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. 
It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors. And I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. So as long as your questions involve the stock market or general investment topics and definitions, we set no limits. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Justin and I are ready. Are you? Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. Just calling to thank you guys for everything y'all do, answering all the questions with due diligence and uh, honesty and uh, no opinions based. But I had a question. I uh, was going to buy some more of a ticker symbol ERH, if you well for utilities, basically like a closed-in fund. I was noticing when I went to go put a limit order in that the limit order is based around $14, and the current price is at $11. And is that based on, is that my paying a premium for it? You know, I just answer that question. I'm guessing now I'm paying more than what the price is worth because of some kind of premium. But I look forward to hearing back. Thanks, guys. All right, well, you're looking at ERH, which is a closed-end fund, and it's a very lightly traded one at that. It's $11, trading at $11 and change, and its 50-day average volume is only 16500 That is that's low for a company that's trading or a stock that's trading, you know, in the hundreds of dollars per share. It's only trading at 11. So you're talking every day, there's maybe $100,000 of this trading hands each day. That's not a lot. Uh, and so that's why the bid ask spread is fairly wide. Now, just because they're asking 14 doesn't mean you have to pay 14. And if you can probably get this off at a much lower price than 14. And you probably want to work that price and try to get the best price possible. If you do a market order, for example, you might get filled at a very inadvantageous price. So I would definitely use limit orders, work the price, go up a penny two at a time, let it sit there for a little bit, see if you get filled. Uh, you know, these are things that when you're you're dealing with low volume securities, you're just gonna you're gonna have to do that unless you want to pay an exorbitant price. Uh, and why market orders are not great for illiquid securities. You wanna you wanna work it. So uh, that's E R H. All right, let's go to let's talk a bit about the market's expectations going into actually really through the first month of the year. And we had the Fed meeting yesterday. And the expectation was that the Fed was going to push back a bit on what the market is expecting, which is a rate cut by the end of the year. 
And that's one reason why the market rallied was saying, hey, they didn't push back on this. There were many times where Jerome Powell could have said that, could have said, no, we're going to for sure 100% keep rates high throughout the balance of the year. Because if you look at positioning, especially in the bond market, for example, you go out into the fourth quarter, the expectations now are for a Fed rate cut. Now, the big question is, is the market bluffing? Is the Fed bluffing? That's really what the market's saying. The market's saying the Fed is bluffing. And that financial conditions have eased so far this year. And this is a lot of this is because continuing pricing of expectations of that Fed pivot. That inflation is going to come down so much that it's going to warrant an actual, not a Fed pause, but a pivot. And this is really sparking rallies in liquidity-sensitive assets, such as large-cap stocks, large-cap growth stocks, excuse me, Bitcoin. Bitcoin's up 43% on the year, the ultimate liquidity asset. But many investors are skeptical that the Fed will actually keep rates higher for longer. Jerome Powell said, I'm not going to try to persuade people to have a different forecast, but our forecast is that it will take some time and some patience and that we will need to keep rates higher for longer. And so they're kind of hedging a bit, but they're not trying to say the market's wrong. And so the expectations of a, of a hawkish Fed hike yesterday was really dashed. And that's one reason why you saw the dollar down equities higher. Now, Fed officials broadly are setting expectations high. And so that's really the danger to equity markets, asset markets, is that they've priced in really, a, yes, a couple more hikes, but in general, for the year, a dovish Fed. And if, and that's probably the case if inflation continues to come down and go down to about 2%, which is what the markets are also pricing in by the end of the year. But what happens if suddenly inflation stops going down? Maybe at 4%, 3%. I think that's the big risk in markets. Okay. So remember, the market's looking forward. Not just next month. Not just next quarter. They're looking 6, 9, 12 months ahead. And so how those expectations shifts are going to be, is going to be a big driver in how liquidity ebbs and flows throughout the year. Now, we, we receive InvestTalk questions via our website as well. And Michael Clements says, I was wondering what you're thinking about TGB to Seco Mines, since copper will be in high demand over the next five to 10 years. This company is on the verge of getting EPA approval for their Florence project. Please give me your opinion. This is a good stock to buy for the long term. So looking at TGB, small cap name, $476 million market cap. And it has a history, a spotty history of profitability. Some years they lose money, some years they make money, but never any consistency. So I don't like that. Now they are a Canadian company, and I'm not sure about that Florence project. I really have to see what time horizon that is going to come online 
and how will that flow into cash flow and earnings? Now, analysts are expecting this year them to lose two cents, next year to make three cents, but also those expectations continue to come down. So those trends aren't good. But I like that this is gold and copper. Those are now in uptrends. Now the dollar has peaked. And copper is obviously a very good green metal. It's going to continue to be in high demand. So I like that. However, I want a name that has a stronger history of consistent profitability, maybe pays a dividend, positive cash flow. This is not the name. Now, if you want, from a trading perspective, if you want uh, one that's highly leveraged to copper and gold prices, you're going to get that here. But it's going to cut both ways. However, long-term, not a great hold compared to many of the other names within the space that do have good, good history of consistent profitability. Now, let's keep things moving. Go back to the Vestlock Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from Washington State at 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, uh, James from Spokane here. I got a uh, sort of an oddball question for you. I don't think I've ever heard you guys talk on the program about Michael Burry and his predictions on things. I wonder if back when he predicted the housing crash, if you guys would have indicated or would have thought the same thing based upon some of the things that he was looking at at the time, or if you would have thought differently on that. And also kind of how you feel about some of his latest predictions or latest information that he puts out there on social media. Uh, I realize we all love the big short. We all love how dramatic that was portrayed by Hollywood. Um, but just brass tacks, I'm wondering if you, you know, if you guys see some similar things or if you totally disagree with uh, the way he looks at where we're headed. Appreciate all your information. Appreciate all you, uh, all you do. Thanks. Bye. Well, if you rewind in best talk all the way back to the early two thousands, you will find us saying that, hey, the housing market's too hot, it's overheated. You know, it was uh, on the cover of Time Magazine. And those are always good indications of froth within a particular uh, part of the, the market. Now, we didn't see the knock-on effects and the amount of leverage within the CDO market and things like that. And that would create some sort of financial crisis. I won't say we, we said that, but we definitely said, you know, we had people calling and say, should I take money out of my uh, uh, or take equity out of my house to buy another rental, buy another rental and leverage myself up even more? And myself, Steve, we were, we were saying that's not what you want to be doing. OK, we were encouraging people to have less leverage as opposed to more leverage and to not get too caught up in this housing. Boom. Once again, didn't predict kind of the downside of the markets and the economy in that way, uh, but definitely called out the housing market is, is very frothy. Uh, now, just because an analyst get, gets one call, a uh, big call, right? And it was a big call and it was, it was a great call, obviously, doesn't mean that they're always going to be right. Doesn't. We're all wrong. We all have takes that don't turn out to be correct. And we all have takes that do turn out to be very prescient. But that doesn't mean that everything that we say is gospel because we got one thing right before. I'm sure Michael Berry has gotten plenty of things wrong. Now, I'm in the mind that policymakers especially, they have good memories, right? Average person has good memories. Most people think of a recession as 08. 08 was not a recession. 08 was a financial crisis. So people hear recession and they connect it to the last recession they felt. 
But policymakers are the same way, right? So the Fed, for example, they're going to try to avoid a deflationary bust like 08. They're going to err on the side of more inflation. Shocking, right? Look what happened in 2020. They thought the world was going to come apart. They wanted to avoid a deflationary bust. And what did they do? They went overboard the other way, overstimulating and creating an inflationary problem. And so I don't know what Michael Burry is saying. It's not somebody I, I, I follow his every word. You know, occasionally I'll see, uh, you know, some things posted and, and such. But it's not something I take a whole lot of stock in that that is something I need to sit up and pay attention to. I have my own analysis. And my own analysis is everything going to hell in a handbasket is probably not something the government's going to really want to do. Now, if they get up against some sort of major problem with the debt, maybe they don't have the choice. I think that's really the risk is not necessarily the debt ceiling, but right being able to finance our deficit. So, yeah, I don't really follow Michael Berry. Well, now there's no denying markets are changing. And serious investors understand they need to adjust their thinking, adjust their strategy to fit these times, as I just spoke about, right? We're likely to feel more inflation versus deflation. And that means different asset classes tend to do better than others. Different parts of the market tend to do better than others. Now, the question is, are you positioned for that market? Are you positioned for your particular goals, your risk tolerance levels? Are your strategies updated? Well, if you need help understanding whether or not you're in the right place, you're on the right path, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, where we operate with the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. It's also where we provide unbiased guidance and practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So if you want to take a minute, you can head over to investtalk.com, fill out our portfolio review form, and schedule one with me. No obligation, completely free. Or you can give our office a call at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Now, this is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley and I thank you for your participation and helping us achieve over 49 million downloads since it all began. So next up, I will play another listener question from 888-99-CHART. So in today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know Building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. InvestTalk is a free download. Your participation makes it unique. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Neha from Pennsylvania. I had a quick question on fuel cell. F-C-E-L. Is it a buy or a hold? Just let me know. Thank you. Bye. All right. This is Fuel Cell Energy. And uh, this has a long history, long history of disappointing investors. And fuel cells have a great story behind them. However, they've eternally 
been unprofitable and uneconomical. And you can just see that in the business of fuel cell. Their average return on assets over the last five years, negative 18%. That means their negative 15.5% right now is actually an improvement from their average. And so this has always been kind of a pie in the sky idea. And the only thing that's keeping this company in business is the fact that their number of shares outstanding just to continue to skyrocket higher. And so let's see, 2018, they had 7 million shares outstanding. Now they have 405 million shares outstanding. So it also looks like they, oh, they've lost less money. No, they haven't. Just same loss, more shares outstanding. This is a terrible investment. Do not buy fuel cell. Uh, now, could it get a short covering rally? It's doing that right now. So technically, short term, it's fine. But this isn't an investment. This is maybe for a trade. But that's about it. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And we have one goal here each and every weekday, which help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hey, gentlemen, this is uh, Craig up in the mountains outside of Seattle. I had a couple of energy questions for you. Pretty boring portfolios, but uh, fairly aggressive in, in value, small cap value, and, and mostly in funds. The only two speculative ones I have left that I've hung on to, I had VIST, I had a couple others that were up 35 45%, very, very small part of the portfolio, but I went ahead and took the profits on them. The two I have left is STLA and STRL. And I'm just curious your thoughts. Uh, STLA is up 23% since I purchased it, but STRL is a fairly recent grab. And we're just curious your thoughts. I look forward to hearing it on the air. Thanks so much. All right. STLA is Stellantis, and this is basically uh, Jeep, Fiat. This is this is Fiat, and they make Alfa Romeo, Maserati, etc. And they were killing it over the past couple of years. Well, you know that because cars were flying off the shelves. We had a shortage of used vehicles, uh, and their margins were just very strong. And so their business was doing very well. But the car industry, long term, it's a difficult business, and that's why I don't love the car industry. Now they're definitely one of the better ones in the world uh, from an operating standpoint consistently. However, they are based in Europe. And you know, will Europe be able to have the same level of economic output, industrial output, without the cheap energy coming out of Russia? I think that's one risk here. And it's a competitive industry. 
So I say I don't love the car industry. I rather own companies that supply companies like Stellantis. I think their uh, historically their margins are better, and their business is more consistent. So Stellantis, not a huge fan of. Now, STRL, that's Sterling Infrastructure. Let's take a look at that. They provide e-infrastructure, building construction, transportation solutions, and related services. So they're in the heavy industry business, growing strong, trading at, let's see, 12 times forward-looking earnings, and those earnings estimates are going higher. I like that. Still very small company, billion-dollar market cap, modest amount of debt. Chart looks strong. Historical return equity is around 20%. I like that. So if I'm picking one or the other, Sterling Infrastructure is definitely more exciting to me than Stellantis. Uh, and it's broken out to a 52-week high. So the momentum is good, modest debt, earnings upgrades, consistent growth, and the demand for their services I think is only going to go higher. So I'm going to give Sterling Infrastructure a thumbs up, Stellantis not so much. Now let's touch a bit on the mood out in Davos, Switzerland. We had the World Economic Forum, what was that, about a week ago? And the temperature within the room was a bit more bullish than just a few months back. Why? For a few reasons. One is energy prices are coming down. Right In Europe, natural gas prices are down about 80% from their, their highs after the Ukraine war started. You also have China ending its zero COVID policy. That's certainly a tailwind to the economy broadly. Now, you could also say hey, that also means inflation is probably going to be a little stickier because China is going to consume a lot more natural resources, especially energy. Remember, they import 80% of their energy. And then you have the Inflation Reduction Act. And that is providing a lot of subsidies for industrial businesses to do things like carbon capture. And this could like this is likely to jumpstart different parts of the industrial base. And China's vice premier who attended is upgrading their expectations for growth from 3% last year to 5.5% this year. So these are all things that are near-term tailwinds to the market. But medium term, I think it's going to be really about where inflation levels off and how that flows into monetary policy. Well, that about does it. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And we just crossed the 49.4 million download mark. We should hit that 50 mark in just a couple of weeks. All thanks to you. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. 
Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.